Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Thank you, worship team, for leading us um, in that special time. Isn't it a great thing that God is fighting our battles for us? Um, I know (laughs) this week was a little rougher for my family, uh, super busy, um, had an eventful week. Uh, We had our anniversary, which kind of got overshadowed by our two-year-old son's birthday, Um, Evan turned two yesterday. So, yeah, yeah. We've kept our child alive for two years now, and so I think we're we're heading in the right direction. Um, But for those I have not met, um, my name is Wilson, and I'm actually one of the elders here at Hope T. North. Uh, Marv is actually on sabbatical. I don't know if you guys knew that, but our, our, our senior pastor here at our church is taking some time away to spend with his family um, and just get really restored and filled up. And our hope is that he has this time to be able to get recharged and then come back late this fall and continue to serve with us. So uh, today we are going to be spending some time in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. And before we dive into the scripture, I want to go ahead and just share with you what today's takeaway is. And I think the worship team really set it up well for us. Um, We we sang about God's goodness. We we sang about the victory that we have in him. Um, And oftentimes, it's hard to see those things because here, as we live on earth, they're still suffering. And what my, my hope is, um, and what I think God has for us today, is that we, we can learn as disciples of Christ, we will suffer for Christ. And if it's a part of our daily walk, in 2 Timothy, we can learn how to suffer well. So let's, let's dive right in. Let's start in verse 3. It says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let's pray. Father God, as we reflect on the verse that we just read, I pray that in this time today, you will give us understanding through your word. God, I just pray 
um, that you would speak clearly through me. God, I pray that as the worship team has prepared our hearts, that we put aside any distractions or anything that's taking place um, of being able to see you rightly. God, I just pray that you would show up in a mighty way. And we pray all this in your precious son's name. Amen. So, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Let's be honest. This isn't our first choice, is it? What's our natural instinct when faced with suffering? It's to run far from it, right? When we put our hand on something hot, we quickly move our hand from that. Our body avoids discomfort, pain, and difficult things. Paul here is writing to a mentee. His name is Timothy. He makes it very clear that suffering isn't optional for the disciple. It's in our job description. And take it from a man who is speaking from experience here, right? Paul was kidnapped, beaten, threatened, arrested many times, publicly ridiculed, he experienced a shipwreck, survived a viper bite, and for those who are unfamiliar with snakes, vipers are venomous, and he still survived, and ultimately he was martyred for the faith. In this letter, Timothy, to Timothy, right, Paul uses the life of a soldier, athlete, and farmer to teach us what to do when we experience suffering. Verse four, no soldier gets entangled, entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. When we suffer as disciples of Christ, we can suffer well by having the right devotion. What are soldiers devoted to? You've seen them. They're devoted to our country. They're fellow soldiers. The cause that they are fighting for, despite the harsh conditions brought on by war, the best soldiers devote themselves to accomplishing the mission and following the orders of their commanding officer. On the battlefield, they aren't just thinking about their investment portfolio, right? Or they're like, man, that inflation rate really needs to drop down. My grocery bill is really adding up. Or loved ones back home. They probably are thinking about these things, but they're not letting these things distract them. That's what Paul means when he says entangled. Instead, don't be entangled by these things. Instead, their number one goal, our number one goal, is to please our commanding officer. We live in a world filled with distractions fighting for our devotion and our attention. Am I right? Right? We find ourselves maybe devoting ourselves to fame. Just look at social media. I love spending time watching YouTube videos. You can ask my wife, Drew. And the number one thing that YouTube content creators are asking for is what? What is it? Like or subscribe, 
or like and subscribe, right? One, they make an income off of it, right? But two, there is this idea that like, wow, I need more influence. And one of the ways that I can obtain this is by having regular subscribers or individuals who like my content. We devote ourselves to money and even maybe possessions, right? Who's wanted to move out of the city so that you can afford something a little bit more than what you can afford in Toronto, right? Or you've all heard it. There's this trend, and I'm not blaming anyone for this because in in such an expensive city, um, it, it makes sense. But we go from one job to another, to another, to another. And what is the trend? You're doing the same thing but somehow you get to make more money. And that's where we're at these days. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that influence, income, possessions, these are bad things and we need to avoid them. No, these things are not bad. In fact, God commands us to work hard, to be wise, to earn a good income so we can care for ourselves, our family, those around us, and ultimately give generously. So what am I saying? I'm saying in all of this, make sure we have the right devotion. Another word for devotion here might be specifically in the verse, which is aim. Make sure your aim is to please the one who enlists you. And who is Paul referring to here? God. He is our commanding officer. He is our heavenly father. When our devotion is on the right thing, it provides us with the right perspective in the midst of suffering. We've all been there, right? We've all had that maybe family member or that brother in Christ or that sister in Christ that we're, we're sharing all the suffering to and they just drop something on us that is from the Lord. And we're just like, oh, why'd you have to do that? Right? I just wanted to sit here a little bit longer and just, um, just want you to relate to the suffering. But we all have those folks in our lives that point us back to Christ. Because having the right perspective in the midst of suffering is what God calls us to. Just listen to the words of the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. This is one of the latter verses that we might not be familiar with, but it says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in, dark, in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. We all know this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Church family, we are all working for an audience of one. Our aim is to please the one who enlisted you. Brothers and sisters, here is the good news. God is pleased with you. Because of your faith in Christ, you have been hidden in him, clothed in his righteousness and life. So the father looks at you and sees the divine son of whom declared, here's my beloved son in whom 
I am well pleased. So now, we serve and endure suffering, not trying to earn his favor, but because we are favored, we can suffer well. Because no matter what we go through, God's smile is always on us. Let's jump to verse five. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Here we learn we can suffer well for Christ by practicing careful discipline. In every organized and world-class sport, there's a set of rules that you must follow in order for you to compete and win. We have the Olympics coming up soon, right? 2024 Paris, anybody going? Anybody going? Okay. Well, we get to watch on TV, right? That's the nice thing. So one of my favorite sports is swimming. Um, watching these Olympic athletes go from one end of the pool to the other, back and forth, uh, with the chance of winning a gold medal is quite incredible, right? You have the little clock at the bottom. Um, you have the little fake line that goes through the screen showing you the Olympic record and the world record and then other records, and they're just chasing it. And what we might not know is that there's a lot of rules to swimming. For example, in swimming, any swimmer who dives into the pool before starting the starting signal, that little weird robot beep, um, is automatically disqualified. And how often do the Olympics actually occur? Every four years. You have these athletes training for long periods of time for the opportunity just to be able to sit on that or stand on that platform to compete in a number of races and for you to be immediately disqualified in a split second just because you had a false start could be devastating. Another rule is that you must stay in your own lane. That makes sense, right? You don't want to swim into somebody else's lane, impact their performance. You actually can't touch the bottom of the pool. So as you're diving in, they can't really push themselves off if they are to reach the bottom of the pool to maybe get a get an advantage. Um, if you're doing the butterfly, you must make contact with the wall with not just one hand, but both. And if it happens to be a little bit longer and you have to make a turn, you must touch the wall. And there's rule enforcers all throughout these competitions, right? Um, in the same way as a swimmer knows the rules and has to compete with these rules, we cannot expect to be rewarded if we live however we want. God has told us in his word how we should live. If our lives are marked by disobedience, Paul tells us we won't get the crown, right? Verse five, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Let me be clear though, it isn't because of obedience it's not because of obedience that saves us. It's only faith. Faith does that. But real faith, the Bible tells us, produces a life filled with obedience. And it is the believer who pursues obedience with the help of the Spirit and perseveres to the end. They are the ones that will be crowned. For a swimmer, 
Knowing these rules are paramount, not only during the competition, right? Not only during the Olympics, but also during the training process. Before the competition, it is wise for the swimmer to carefully practice staying in their lane. Practice the timing of their starts, making sure they touch the wall on any turns. So what is, we're not all swimmers. I mean, some of you guys may have been swimmers in the past, but I'm not one of those. Uh, What does careful discipline look like in our own lives? To name a few. Scripture tells us we should pray continually. That's found in Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. We should follow scriptures and memorize it. We should forgive others, just like Ephesians 4.32 says. We should be disciple makers. Confess regularly our sins to the Lord. We should meet regularly, just like Hebrews 10.24-25 shares with us. And that verse, just a little shout out um, to Sam because... Um, he actually gave me that verse almost two or three years ago. He's like, hey, let's do some memory, memory um, scripture verse memory. And that one to, the, to, to this day, anytime I think about that, I, I think of you. And so meeting regularly, what does that mean? Maybe attending small groups. I know right now we're in the summer and s- small groups are kind of put on a hiatus, but we'll be, we'll be getting back to that. Uh, maybe having one-on-one discipleship with another brother or sister and then attending weekly Bible studies. So these are the careful disciplines that we can practice in our lives. Now, what does careful discipline and suffering have in common? Careful discipline is like the training plan an athlete follows. By practicing these in our daily lives, we do not lose sight of the eternal reward that is promised to us, that crown. And secondly, these these disciplines can get us through the hardships in life. Jesus modeled this for us during his time on earth. He prayed. He memorized scripture and used it to face temptation. On the cross, Jesus was asking his father to forgive his offenders. Jesus poured into and raised up disciples. Christ never rebelled, but lived according to God's will. He suffered He endured suffering up until the point of death, and now he is seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews 12 tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great witness, a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There's that word again. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endures the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12 really wraps up our first two points together. And, you know, Shaylon was, was helping me uh, with, with our, our, my sermon prep, and this week he pointed out that obedience is a lifestyle. It's not just this one moment. So we really need to make it a daily discipline to follow the word. 
Paul gives us one more way we can suffer. Let's look at verse six. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Paul wants us to see here that we can suffer well by working with expectant diligence. As you guys are sitting down in the in the pews, I noticed that there are a lot of coffee drinkers out there. So we got iced coffees, maybe we have some hot coffees, we maybe have some frappuccinos, which honestly, there's probably not a lot of coffee in those. Um, and that's probably why they're so addicting. But my wife and I, we love coffee, and we had the chance to go to Costa Rica a couple years ago um, and visit a coffee farm. And I was driving out to these mountain ranges where these coffee farms are are located. Uh, We're learning the history of coffee farming and uh, just all the unique, fun things, and maybe not so fun things about coffee. So I've got a a couple facts I want to share with you that really tie into this this verse, verse six. So did you know that it takes a coffee bean almost three to four years to grow into a coffee bush, there's not a tree, but it's a bush, um, that produces coffee cherries. So they're these little red, uh, they almost look like blueberry, blueberries, but they're red. And in each cherry, there's two coffee beans. And some of the harsh conditions that uh, coffee farmers have to go through is one, coffee bushes love direct sunlight. So you don't see a lot of shade on these coffee farms. Um, Not only that, some of the best coffee farms have farmers that handpick these cherries. So you're out there in this grueling weather, right? Think about Costa Rica, beautiful, um, very jungly in certain parts, um, but very very good weather, Uh, not a lot of shade out on these farms. And so it's very grueling conditions. And then it goes through this process called cupping, where you're slurping um, little cups of coffee. Just throw out all the manners your mom taught you at the dinner table, and just the louder the better. And somehow when you slurp the coffee, it really gives you the flavor notes um, that actually go on the bags, right? Have you ever read some of these bags at the grocery store and you're like, oh, dark chocolate, caramel, and maybe some earthy. And you're like, I wonder what that, where does that come from? It comes from the cupping process. And then, I won't go into all the details, but there are roughly nine steps before you ever get the coffee from McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, or wherever else. So a lot of process really goes into uh, the coffee-making process. And pretend, right, the farmer was just like, meh, I don't know, I'm just gonna throw this here and not really water it, not really till the land, not really fertilize it and things like that, right? Their, their expectant diligence is not going to come through. So the goal is for a coffee farmer is to reap the harvest. So we as Christians need to also work with expectant diligence and hopes to receive positive outcomes of all the effort put in. Pastor Marv once gave a quote. 
You guys might remember this. It's expectation without effort is entitlement. I'll say it again. So expectation, what we expect without effort, what we're supposed to do is entitlement. Paul is telling us here the same thing. We honor the Lord and others when we work hard. Working hard in our relationships, whether that be with parents or significant others, spouses, our children, our coworkers. Working hard at our jobs honors the Lord. Working hard in our faith honors the Lord. And working hard in our church honors the Lord. And when we work hard, Paul tells us, we can expect fruit. It's not a fruitless process. Paul gives us a clear example of what he's talking about. When we give ourselves to the hard work of diligently studying the word, we can expect God to give the fruit of understanding. Look at verse seven. Think over what I say. Paul tells Timothy, as I've shared with you verse four, five, six, seven, and even the whole letters, first and second Timothy, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Here's a quick word for us. Understanding God's word is a gift from the spirit. We should be filled with humility whenever we interpret scriptures. But we can't expect to receive that gift if we aren't doing the hard work of diligently studying. God works through means. In the same way, though, we can expect fruit from hard work. Often that fruit will take a long time, sometimes not even in this lifetime. The temptation can be to give up. But the encouragement Paul gives us here is don't. Persevere. Expect something that may never come in this lifetime. Because if you work hard, or if you keep working hard, you will get to enjoy some fruit. Some of you, that means sharing the faith with loved ones for years. And I have a quick example of this. So ever since my, my, my mom came to Christ, this was back in her early 20s, she's always been praying for her family. In the past two years, one of my cousins who lives in Taiwan trusted Christ as her savior. My mom has been praying for almost 40 years for her loved ones. And then her sister, the mom of that cousin, of my, my cousin, recently trusted Christ as her savior. And so for 40 years, my mom has persevered through the same prayer, which is she wants to see her loved ones in Taiwan trust Christ as her savior. So let that be an encouragement. Don't give up. For some of you, it's praying for the return of a wayward child for years. Whatever is coming to your mind right now, don't give up. Continue to per persevere. God is working in you while you wait. The fruit will come. Might not be what you expected or what you asked for, but God knows 
what's best. And when the fruit comes, it will be sweet, just like that coffee, and you'll get to enjoy it. And in our working, let's go back to verse six, right? This idea of expectant diligence and the hardworking farmer. We remember, we remember that it's all God's grace. So 1 Corinthians 15.10 records Paul saying, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul is one, recognized as one of the most effective church ministers, church builders in, in all of church history. And, and you see here, right? He says, I worked harder than any of them. But before that, he recognizes where that comes from, right? But by the grace of God in me. So let us not forget that when we are called to doing, do hard work, it's not just by our own doing. Look, look even in, in the same chapter, in the first verse, how Paul addresses Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It is easy for us to walk away from a passage like this to think that the work is all on our shoulders. But Paul reminds us again, it is all grace. In closing, I want us to recognize that it is grace that saves us. It is grace that sustains us. And it is grace that strengthens us to suffer well as disciples of Christ. And when we walk humbly and dependent on, of the gift of grace, on that day, on that final day, back in Timothy chapter four, with Paul we can say, I have fought the good fight I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So in our suffering, be reminded that, yes, we still have things that we are responsible to take care of on our side. But don't forget that it is the grace that we receive from God that gets true glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, just to share a little bit of your word and how it has um, just shown up in my life. And Father God, I just pray that there would be this desire to um, do the hard things, have the right devotion, and work with expectant diligence that there will be a day um, where you do come back. There will be a day um, where we get to see you. 
in heaven. And until that day comes, Father, uh, there is still more work to do here on earth. God, we know that we cannot do this uh, by our own strength, so we need you. And we need you to show up daily. Um, let the word and the daily disciplines um, of connecting with you, of, of putting in um, the effort, just develop this fruit um, that if you give us the opportunity to see here um, before our time comes, um, that we would enjoy it, but we would also um, know that what we have done here and what effort we put in, you will use to bring you glory. Thank you for uh, bringing us here safely today and bringing us this word. It's in your name we pray. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.